All right, y'all. Welcome to another episode of the More Life Podcast. This week, I'm here with my main man, Matt. I hope you like that alliteration. Matt, say what's up to the people. Hey, the people. <laughs> I'm the main man, Matt. Let's yeah, do this. roll the intro. <laughs> Welcome to the More Life Podcast, where creatives, problem solvers, and entrepreneurs talk about squeezing more out and finding meaning in this crazy thing we call life. Let's dive in. All right, welcome back, guys. Uh, this week on the podcast, I, like I said, I'm here with my kindred spirit, Matthew Smith. Uh, we're both from Alberta, both from the same hometown of Edmonton. Yes. We're both uh, uh, cyclists and swimmers, although I'm yes. not nearly as close as on his level, but we do enjoy a lot of the same things. We love to cook. Uh, all, yes. the, all these things have brought us together. We used to work together. Uh, yes, I know all these, all things, these things and more, all these things and more are happening right now. And Matt, you are the directional team lead at onechurch.to. Uh, and I don't even know what that means. So I'm going to let you say what exactly does that <laughs> mean? Directional team lead. Yeah. So yeah, it's always fun to come up with corporate titles because you get to name them whatever you want. Uh, we, we thought it was the closest thing to, de to describing what our roles were, um, it's basically the highest level management in, in that management team. So we figured that at that level, our goal is to kind of steer the ship. So direct it. So that's what we call a directional lead team. But my, my direct oversight is mainly the weekend gatherings. Right. So like the, the services that we do in the weekends. And your oversight goes across how many people, how many people are inside this organization um, and how many people are, I guess, like reporting to you or that you help manage. Right. So we have a, a total staff team of 25 and uh, I'm part of my role is leading our staff systems. So I have some type of oversight of the entire team, but we share leadership more directly uh, between the three directional team leads. And so I have, I think at this point, uh, I think it's six or seven people that directly report to me. But uh, we're working to to shift that down a little bit because that's that's quite a bit right now. Yeah. But uh yeah, that's that's the the kind of the flow. Yeah, and this this week on on this episode, we're we're talking about um, decision making, uh, leading teams, structure, uh, discipline, and systems, all those type of processes. These are things that you and I we love to geek out about. I remember the first yeah. week I started working uh, at the church. Uh, you guys had just signed on to Asana and I had just heard about Asana and it was like, yeah. it was like, Oh man, this is the right place for me, man. This is going to be great. This is going to be fantastic because you guys were using something else. And then you had just tried Asana and I was like, I I'm loving this. I if you guys, you guys were on the cutting edge at that time, because that was when it felt like Asana was first. And then there was a massive wave of productivity tools. And I love yeah. my productivity tools. I love project <laughs> management <laughs> stuff. Uh, we could geek out on that for a while. Yeah. But actually we, we started as the, like back then I was leading the creative team, which is like music weekend production or, or AV stuff and uh, communication stuff. And uh, we were the team that was a little bit nerdy anyway, but we also had a high level of collaboration right. amongst the team. So we were first to jump onto any of that stuff, but eventually we went to Wonderlist, RIP, and uh, now we're back to Asana, but the whole team is on Asana. Wow. And we're using it, and I am super proud of the team because yeah. it, it's a big deal. Remember when I made that training, the initial training for, for Asana? I don't know if you remember that. We did we did we tried oh, to get the staff on 
way, way, way back in the day, we had one of those lunchtime training sessions, and I made oh, a hand. I made it. I made like a whole handout in like um, Evernote, and first we we taught it to the student ministry, uh, the kids workers, and they tried to use it, and then we did like a whole lunch one. It never caught on back then. It was like way, way, way ahead of its time. You, you you learn eventually that that type of adoption, like it's disruptive change that has to come from the top. Yeah. And I know that sounds very uh, boomer, yeah. <laughs> but it's true. Like uh, if you don't have adoption at the highest level of leaderships, uh, I think that's English, uh, you, you actually, it doesn't go through the team. And I know like we want everything to be grassroots and that's kind of, I'm a punk rocker at heart, yeah. but uh uh, that doesn't always work. I think you get a lot better results when when it comes to adoption, when you know the people who are going to be uh, kind of signing off on your work are using the same tools. Because if, if, if your boss is always diverting around the system to use a different tool, then eventually everyone's going to ditch it as well. Yeah, I, I do a lot of consulting with uh, brands and with companies. Um, and what that ends up me like, what, because of the experience that I've had, I now have this inside of my Calendly, you know, um, request form. Is the main yeah. decision maker going to be on the call? Because you wouldn't believe, like, oh. you know this. If the main decision maker <laughs> is not on the call, this call doesn't even matter. We could have a great conversation, <laughs> but really it does uh, require a lot of the, um, the main person who is the main decision maker to be involved in what's going to happen because if they don't co-sign it if they don't sign off on it or endorse it then you're going to end up having uh frustration and that's something this is going to lead perfectly into one of the things i wanted to talk about is you know learning how um different decisions affect people and and that's kind of something that i guess has to be acquired um and i'll say this even before we get started Uh, you know decision making is a muscle i think like you got to work at it. And I feel like you're somebody who takes time and consideration on how we make decisions. How do we move forward? How do we get from point A to point B? And I think it's one of those things where if you were to look back two weeks, a day, six months, no matter what it is, you you can look at certain situations in your life and be like, oh, shoot, I missed the mark on that. Oh, shoot. How come I, mm. I messed that up? Which means that there is something lacking or missing that hasn't been exercised uh, in in how do we make better decisions repeatedly. So I, I think I, right. I'd love for you to talk about that. How do you make good decisions consistently and how do you be mindful of the people that you are also taking care of or, or leading? Yeah, so there's so many levels to this, right? There's decision-making systems, and that's usually when you're in collaborative environments where where you have to make a call mm-hmm. uh, together. But then there's also, like you said, the muscle of de- making decisions. And that's probably more of an internal decision-making uh, process. Uh, I think there's a lot more written and a lot more resources in terms of team decisions because it's way harder. And I think if I can summarize a couple of the things, uh, I'm, I totally forget. I think it's Les McEwen, McCowan, McEwen, uh, but that might might be a different guy. Greg, anyway, Greg we'll McCowan. Pu- uh, this isn't the uh, this isn't the minimalist guy, oh, oh, oh. which is amazing. One of my favorite <laughs> books of all times, but uh, he has this thing: uh, data, uh, data, debate, decide or defer. And I right. think that's one of the best uh, 
um, we maybe we can put it in the show notes or something. But like, uh, it's one of the best frameworks for for collaborative decision making. He has a great blog post about it, and basically a summary would be: you have to come with the data up front and review the data. Then you have a debate, and you should have this like blocked in a schedule. You know, we have ten minutes to debate this because otherwise it will eat up as much time as you allow it. And then at the end of that, you make a, de- a decision, or if you don't have enough data, you defer. And you say, okay, we need to get more data and then we'll make that decision later. So I think, um, you know, that's one great system, but you basically any system that you agree on as a team of make that are making decisions is a good system because, uh, right, it's agreed otherwise upon. it is chaos. Otherwise it's chaos. You're right. Yeah. So, uh, that's one that I like, uh, we're often not that formal, um, in, in our decision-making process, but you know, I think the very least you have to let people know who holds the conch, you know, right. who is the one who is going to be uh, uh, coming in with the final the final vote. If it's if it is something that that is going to be democratic, everyone has a voice at the table or is this a, we're going to get a consensus and then my vote is worth like six. <laughs> and so I can kind of like sway things uh or are you just all just providing your feedback and helping me make the decision? But everyone needs to know that going into the meeting or going into that decision process, or people are going to come out really disappointed right. or frustrated. And that can be something related to um, the culture of an organization as well. Um, if the culture does not uh, allow for healthy debate for us to come to a decision, um, or if the if the culture rather is... Uh, um, authoritative in the sense that it's one person who has the authority to make the decision and that's the person who we all rely on um then it becomes a different uh, scenario and how do we uh move forward in making uh, conscientious decisions whereas if the culture is allowing for this type of conversation then i think that's where you can have more insight more information more data like more data that's actually useful rather than just information that's brought forward to like it's more like you know oh I, i'm submitting this information and you sir will decipher or you ma'am will take apart yeah. and make make this what you will whereas no this is collaborative so the the data that you get almost is um of higher quality uh, when it's more collaborative that way because people aren't inhibited by how it's going to be deciphered, but it's more like, no, we need this. So that, that I think there's something to be said about the, the discipline of, of, of relying on certain systems versus going by fly by the seat of our pants you know like especially like myself creative entrepreneurs you know you're you're a creative entrepreneur i'm a creative entrepreneur like you do music you do a lot of different things as well and when you are an entrepreneur you're on your own or you're working uh, with a small group like a startup there's a lot of work that has to go into deciding are we going to be just trying to do it or are we going to be people who are going to first write down a plan you know, you know what I'm talking about? Like you've been in bands before Absolutely. and release music yeah. and do the way to do this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? The funny thing is that, you know, like most of my life I've worked in the creative sphere and um, sometimes we can feel as creatives that we're taking a little bit of the magic out by writing a plan or coming to an agreement or coming to like a business type of like, especially musicians, I feel are the worst at that. <laughs> Because we want it just to feel good. And we just want to get like, ah, we're vibing, man. This is vibing good. But like, I think a lot of the frustration or or even um, 
you know, band breakups or anything like that, they come around just not clarifying what you guys are after and that you're on the same page. And, you know, <laughs> as dumb as it sounds, sometimes you got to have a band meeting and you just got to call it like... I think I think it's magical that bands stick together for more than a couple of years ever because it's it's uh, like you're you're mixing some really potent things together. Uh, and if you could, if I could uh, retrospectively ap- apply some of the business knowledge to some of the musical situations I've been to, uh, uh, I think it would have helped a lot in clarifying. Okay, who's really making this call, and, and uh, are we really going to put out the album? Uh, first, or we're going to start touring first, or whatever. You know, like those types of calls are important to to decide when you're when you're in any kind of situation, even if it is creative. Yeah, and th- having that done beforehand, I think, is so crucial. And I don't, I don't honestly think um, you can have sustained uh, success if you are fly by the seat of your pants, especially especially mm-hmm. when it comes to. Uh, teams if you're working in a group that can only work for so far especially with different personality types and expectations so you know like let's talk about leading others versus leading ourselves you know like the the team of me versus the team of we those things matter um and how i lead myself uh, also translates to the type of way that i might lead others as well and there are different tactics or at least i would say there are different approaches to be had which is one of those things oh man uh that's huge uh i mean this goes back to like the mother load of all uh team things which is communication uh you know like it, it it's it's hard to talk about anything like that like when you're ma- when you're you're leading yourself you do i guess have to have a conversation with yourself you do i guess have to right. put something down on paper or plan it out um and uh hold yourself accountable set goals those are those are good things uh to do and i think it's very similar to leading others however you have to make sure that you are both on the same page. And that's what makes it completely different. Because when you decide for yourself, you are in agreement. Uh, right. Maybe that yourself in two days might not agree. But uh, when you're in a team, I think the the struggle is, at least for me, especially when I've been in really fast-paced uh, seasons, is we move so quickly to to get the thing done. And then at the end, we turn around and say, hey, uh, this wasn't at all what I expected, and and so um, I think I think that would be if if we're talking about leading others towards a common goal, I think communication is the big difference between leading yourself. Um, I think you would have you would have found that as well yeah. too. Like the the good people that 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 are, uh, you want to work with, there is a clarification that happens in what you're aiming for together, right? Yeah, definitely, and and when. Like collaboration is such a beautiful and tricky part, especially in the creative sphere, um, just because I think one of the most complicated or most underappreciated things out there is like a film or um, mm-hmm. or like, oh, man. Yeah. Or like a, a or like a great album where you have multiple writers and musicians like like as if like the composition and the lyrics are all being written by a group of people because to convey yeah. an idea 
uh, or I'd rather even, you know, if somebody wrote the lyrics already and then to write the music together, like somebody already had an idea, someone already had something in their mind and to convey that in a way that everybody from the person who is, you know, mixing it and mastering it from the person who's playing the bass or if you're talking about a movie, the person who's setting up the lights to the person who's doing craft services, everything, they all got to be in this, uh, uh, this, this synergy of, of not just understanding and intellect, but also like emotion and, and, and understanding, like really deep and understanding what they're talking about. And I think that's the same thing in teams, in collaborative environments. That's something that we have to consider. Like when I lead just me, it's much easier for me to do like a bullet journal and just write stuff down. Here are my goals yeah. for the quarter. Here's my goal for the year. And, uh, you know, check that's in. That's all speed. It, it's speed, right? You can go as fast as you want. Efficiency, right? So it's like I can go as, as hard as I want. I can be as tough as I want on myself because I yeah. know myself innately and how hard I can go and how hard I can push before the breaking or tipping point is. Where in terms of like when you're working with a team there is and you're a leader of this group of people, there is so much imbalance in terms of people's emotional um, uh, placement, uh, people where they are at in their life stage of life, and in terms of like <laughs> what's going on in society, like right now with COVID nineteen. How yeah. do we manage all of that? You know what I mean? Like that's such a greater, uh, greater conversation. It is absolutely huge, and it's it's uh it's it's really hard to even put a a weight on that because uh, we don't factor it in when we're thinking about any kind of plan we always blue sky stuff right and we're always expecting everything to work out perfectly and then and then when we go to do it you're never like you're lucky to be at 90 percent of your of your original plan in terms of everyone being on the same page and stuff and then you know like talking about creative environments you mentioned a couple really complex environments any type of film that i've been a part of it is like it is there's a reason why the director just calls the shots is because Communism sounds good on paper, but it's it's almost impossible to pull off. And when you're in in any type of uh, uh, like uh, complex environment, you need someone to call shots. And you might have layers of leadership where you can call the shots under under your well, you know, you know whatever whatever's in your in your hands. But someone's got to own the whole thing and carry the vision from top to bottom. I I I, I think the you know. It, it is just so helpful uh, to have that sometimes. It, it, and it's way more rare to find a place where people can work collaboratively and co-own things and still work out really well and have a unified vision and people get along and not hate each other at the end of it, you know? 100%. And, and do, the, do the balance to be had in like knowing when to lead, like um, like the director call the shots, say cut action. Yeah. Here's where we're gonna go, um, and then when to listen. Um, that's how you. Mm. That's also that data part where you get better data when you are listening. Like the quality of the data is is much better and deeper and and more um more true to yeah. reality than when you are doing that. Um, that if you're just reading people's. Uh, responses or reactions or emotions in the midst of you giving just clear direction, then you can just, you're gauging based on how they're responding. Um, so knowing when mm -hmm. to lead, knowing when to listen. Is, and this is also, this is something that I consider even for me, for myself, like how do I know as somebody who runs a small business, has a family, has his own interests slash hobbies, how do I know when to put my foot 
forward and say, okay, we're moving. This is the point where we're pushing all the chips in. Let's go. And And when is another moment when I'm like, okay, I need to pause and listen to what the business or the industry that I'm in is telling me, or I need to pause mm. and listen to what is my family telling me pause. What is my yeah. body telling me? So there's times, whether you're in a team or whether you're in uh, uh you're by yourself in a business or by yourself in whatever you're doing in your nine to five, when do I listen? When do I lead? Yeah. Okay. Like, uh, I think the, the older I get, the, the more I realize leadership, good leadership is listening and and uh, listen, listening is probably one of your primary tools if you are a good leader with a good team, and and uh, even if you are the one who makes like if you're we've been talking a lot and it sounds like I, I just want to like boss everybody around, but uh, uh, if you're in a good team and in a good environment, you're you want to be coaching people to do the best, and that is all about listening. And I'm bad at that. Like I, I've I've had to like seriously take stock of okay. In, I, I'm heading into a check-in with somebody. I've got to just just remind myself, okay, let's see how many of the good ideas you can pull out of them. Right. Let's see like how many questions can you ask them so they can discover it for themselves. And and uh, man, when, when you can be on that type of a flow, people learn better because they have to kind of struggle to get the answer as opposed to just plug and play your answers. Yep. And you often get way more... Uh, creativity. You talk about data or or that type of information. There's so many times uh, uh, you can you if you ask good coaching questions, you actually get more information than you expected. Then if at the beginning, if if you're if you're just saying, okay, what's your data? What's like what's your status update? How are things going? And it's like, oh yeah, pretty good. And you know, here's here's a anecdote of something that's really good. But um, if you can ask some really good questions, uh, and there's there's some great coaching questions. If you just search coaching questions, you'll find a ton of them. You can find uh, some great ways of of teasing out deeper uh, ideas or trends, or or even helping people see something that they didn't they just totally missed going into it without you saying, "Well, didn't you forget about this?" Right. Uh, it's so much more powerful and collaborative if you can if you can do that from a, a coaching perspective, and that that starts by listening. Uh, I think uh, you can learn a lot from good interviewers too in, in different, I love podcasts. So the, this is just, uh, fun to be on one and, and uh, good interviewers are good listeners and they pay attention to, to things. And so I think you can, you can learn, you can learn from, from that uh, a lot of different places, how to lead even uh, anyone who's good at listening is a, is gotta be good at leading it. Yeah. Somebody. I just watched, <laughs> I just watched the, um, I've been watching the Michael Jordan documentary. It's been coming out every I every week. That. It's fantastic. Yeah. But this past episode from yesterday um, or today, if you're watching on Netflix, whatever it is, uh, they talked. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got the inside scoop press pass. But <laughs> they, they talked about how the first couple of years, Michael Jordan being in the league, he was concerned. He was trying to will it on his own. And he was trying to make uh-huh. it happen. And he had he was the defensive player of the year, the offensive, the highest scoring of the whole year, three years in a row. And then it wasn't until they got beat over and over in the, in the Eastern Conference finals before making it to the finals mm-hmm. where the coach was kind of like, listen, we're going to run the play where you pass the ball instead of you taking the shot. And he had to rely on the <laughs> team. And that's when things yeah. started to change. And that's when they started winning championships. When he stopped being the main event, and he started being mm. the 
listener, the person who was the encourager for their teams, trying to get them to become better, that's when they saw the greatest success. And I think that's something that we, you know, whether you work a nine to five or in management or CEO or self-employed, when you listen, whether it's to your audience or to your team members or to your clients or potential clients, when you listen to them, rather than try to just talk about yourself and try to make things happen on your own, that's when you can see some of the best results, especially in decision making. So if I'm trying to make a decision yeah. that's, you know, that's complicated or requires a lot of, of inputs, um, meaning like different data points, then it requires me to, to trust people that are around me and get advice from people that are around me that can then speak to that and help me decipher. And the only way I can do that is by almost like putting tape across my mouth and just, you know, like, here's the information that I have. I already have some ideas. Talk to me. Let me know. I need some feedback. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like we got to have that totally. feedback. And if you don't, if you don't trust people too, uh, then, then you're going to slow everything down and you're going to shut people up. Like people won't, won't, uh, provide that their own input or their own, their own perspective. If you don't trust them, if you don't listen to them, if, if you, if, as much as I, uh, man, I feel like I'm just like doing, putting two different ideas. Even if you are the person who's making these big decisions and other people are providing input to you, um, you, you are going to develop a serious uh, blind spot if people aren't, don't feel it's valuable to spend the time giving you feedback. Right. Um, but then if you're in collaborative environments, it's the same, same thing or more. One of my favorite uh, producers, Daniel Lanois, he's a music producer and like the old school rock and roll way of music producer, not the guy who like sits at home in his room <laughs> making beats, but the guy who has to like get the most out of a, a musician group or, or a single vocalist or whatever. And his, his concept is always trying to maximize the room. So whether that's like lighting candles or like putting the right carpet in or like setting up the, the studio in a way that maximizes the room, uh, that's such a big way of, I see a, a, a about maximizing any relationship and listening is such a big part of that. You have to pay attention to others who are in the session or in the room. If you're a musician, I feel like you play way better when you're paying attention to other people. It sounds obvious, but it's actually pretty hard. It's so easy to get caught up, whether it's in music or in leadership right. or in a, a creative environment, caught up in what do people think about me? Mm. What What is my my decisions? How do they affect other people? Are they are they vibing with this? Are they liking this? But if you can focus on how do, how do I make them maximized? Right. How can I make them feel super comfortable? How can I make them feel like this is winning and super excited about it? you're you are you're producing the best uh possible content and if if you're truly uh um generous in that spirit and you don't care about getting the credit of who came up with the right catalyst moment uh then you can actually probably create a better product in the end by being a good listener and maximizing the room so i love that example i think that's probably one of the best things yeah i think that's really cool you know like drawing it out of and that's where you can kind of see um, progression over time if you track those type of things, right? Like if you track that type of stuff, you can start to see, okay, when we use these methods or this system, I'm a huge systems person. You know, if it, wor yes, if it works once, write it down. <laughs> and if and if I've thought about it once, I'd never do the same thinking twice. Like 
yeah. right? Make those things part of your habit, make them innately a part of yourself. Um, and I think there, there's also like, this is the part where I always struggle with is the culture of implementation. Like it's great to have the systems. It's great to have the processes, but how do we yeah, make yeah. this reality? How do we have the discipline mm. to work towards these things? And I feel like this is something where, um, uh, it requires uh, a certain brain, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like some people yeah. are more apt this way, uh, following a budget or a diet or a, a regiment, yeah. uh, whereas other people, it takes more effort. Not to say that they can't do it. It just it's a different part of I the think, brain that has to be checked off. I think they just haven't discovered how they're wired yet, and that's such a big part of it. Like if you can figure out some of the triggers for your for yourself, either the triggers that are negative that make you feel discouraged and like giving up as well as the triggers that make you feel uh, compelled to continue. Uh, and, and most of that's like pretty simple psychology. Like a lot of people are motivated by uh, um, just uh, uh, pure pressure. And so like if, if you, if you have that accountability, that's probably 90% of people will get through that. So uh, uh, I think that's one of the greatest challenges of being an entrepreneur, a solo is you don't have that accountability. I think of most of the projects that I've been a part of that have been a failure or never seen the light of day was because it was just in my head. Right. <laughs> you know, like a great idea is, is, is nothing. I showed Margaret, my wife, I was going through my, my papers on my desk and I found, I just wrote, wrote down this song idea and it was just hilarious. I, I, thought, I thought it'd be funny to write a song. It's kind of like a, probably a country song where you're breaking up with your girlfriend, but you still need her to drive you home. <laughs> I thought that would be like the best song idea. So, but it was sitting there on my desk under like 20 papers. Like, like uh, you, th those, if I didn't have that accountability of like, okay, I'm going to work on that with someone. So know your triggers. Like for me, I am, I am to a fault. I am a collaborative person. And so if I don't have someone else on the other line, I, I drag my feet. Like I really have to push myself to get stuff done. Right. But if someone else is involved, I'm, I'm pretty stubborn. <laughs> I'll, I'll follow through and uh, for better or for worse sometimes, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and for those of you that want to know more about that, there's a great book called uh, Atomic Habits by James Clear. Uh, I just read it this nice. year and it's amazing. He breaks down how every habit is formed and how it's reinforced and what triggers and what reinforces and how you can... Um, almost trick yourself by learning very few things. I think there's like five steps um, and you can trick yourself to learning how your body functions and reward yourself or couple your habits together. Um, I think that's huge, you know, knowing the behavior and the routine that is required to accomplish the certain things that have to get done. And at the same time, there's also when you're leading a team of people and you need to implement something, there has to be a yeah. culture of, okay, we have to be nimble. Like right now, you guys are a church um, and this mm -hmm. is the middle of uh, coronavirus and there are a cool. lot of different moving pieces at the same time. This is one of those <laughs> industries where it's like being in the healthcare profession in the sense that information is changing what we're doing is changing we're all on the fly we're all trying to make this work um and with you guys i i see this a lot with churches that you guys are trying to catch up and trying um not just to catch up but also do a good job at representing the core values and the beliefs of the organization mm -hmm. so it's like okay we have to have a staff team around you and this is again part of culture which could be a whole other 
uh, podcast episode. Um, basically, yeah. like, how do we have our culture set so that when things go um, away from our decision making and our planning and our structure, we don't get completely flattened out and are in ruins, basically. Well, yeah, I think par- part of that, you know, it would be having good, good, uh, good systems as much as possible, right? Because good systems prevent that. But every once in a while, you have to step out of your systems. And then that's where things get crazy. And uh, like we've seen that in the last three weeks, like we, we have on- online gatherings and now that's all we have. And and there was a point when we could make some really nimble decisions on our online gatherings. And we didn't have to include a lot of people. And then uh, we st- we can't operate like that, but we we forgot. And so we were making some calls and changing some of the ideas to the platform and stuff. And we forgot. Now everybody's using that. And now everyone feels like they're an owner to it. So you have to <laughs> you have to bring people in and have some good conversations. Uh, I think I think that's that is is really hard. Uh, like in in this type of an environment that we're in, you it's a stress test for how you how you do that. Um, I think one of the biggest things that you can do um, to to get better at this and even improve your systems is is develop a culture that debriefs. And I am a huge fan of that. And you would know that. Oh, yeah. uh, sometimes we would spend probably too much time digging into the details, yeah. analyzing you it. Can but get I, free I have deep, seen... You can get a free debrief form <laughs> on my website. That's how much I believe about debriefs. Hey, hey, <laughs> there you go. That's awesome. I, I'm, I, I believe in it so big because if you don't do that, you've wasted that opportunity to get better. If you're ever going to do that again. Why waste that opportunity to get better? I think we saw as a team, that was one of the catalysts for growth that we had in our team is we we put that on the calendar. Fortunately for churches, you have church every week. And so we made a debrief moment every week where we were learning and every week we were getting a little bit better. And that's, that's, a, that's a system, that's a culture. Uh, those are things that help you. And then when you're in a crazy COVID season, you still debrief. You, right. Those are the rhythms that you have. And then and then uh, you can actually learn and you might be pivoting way harder every week. And so you have a lot more to debrief. It might be a, a, a lot more uh, <laughs> uh, volume of, 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 you know, items to discuss yeah. if, if things are getting a little hairy. But you, you're used to that rhythm. And so and even in then when you have tough conversations in tough seasons, I, they still feel normal. Everyone's used to it. Everyone's used to having those honest conversations and no one's getting their, their backup or no one's feeling offended because they know we're all on the same mission here. Yeah, I, and we I, want I, this to be amazing. I do think that um, culture is like the backbone to all important decision making. Like even if you're a solopreneur or, you know, a startup with very few people involved, maybe two or three people, the culture that you set apart, like this is how I'm going to operate my business. This is how I'm going to, you know, how serious am I going to be about it? How much emphasis am I going to be about it? Those things are like the backbone to how um, you, what type of personality you will have in your decision making. So if you're somebody who is very lax, then, you know, that can also affect how you make your decisions. But that culture is whether you're by yourself or in a group of people or that you are the person in charge or that you're an employee, that culture determines how the decisions happen and how they're then 
going to be implemented and the success rate. And like you said, like the more you guys uh, worked at it and kept to the system that you guys were putting in place, the better your decisions can be. Um, there, there, there is no way I forget. I think it was last week's episode with, uh, uh, with uh, Pamela Price. We talked about there is a guaranteed percentage of you failing without putting some type of planning in place but uh you do have more chances of getting success right more often if you are putting things in place and i think that's uh that's i think that's a good place for us to maybe even end on right here putting things in place and having um our stuff uh, uh organized is so so important and that's something that i i learned more recently in life and i wish i learned earlier really uh learning the value of writing every thought every idea down the value of revisiting those journals uh the value of using a a, a project management software especially when you're working with multiple people like i work with contractors i work with clients having all these different things using calendars well and how to block out time how to batch your work these type of skills are things that are invaluable. Matt, before you go, I'd love for you to share um, maybe one of the more invaluable skills that you've learned in terms of being productive and making good decisions, whether it's in your personal life or uh, in your your work life. Yeah, I think uh, one of the best things that you can do for everybody is get to know yourself better. And I'm I'm learning that all the time. I, I it's easy to say this now. I'm in my mid 30s, and I can say if I went back 10 years, and I could apply the knowledge of who I am to what I did, I'd be in so much better better shape. But I mean, it's kind of like that's life, whatever. Uh, but but you can actually you don't just have to wait until you fumble around and make mistakes to learn yourself and how you work. Uh, the best thing to do is is to try stuff. And, and also take advantage of, man, like everybody's got a free tool right now to do a self-assessment about something. Um, and, and, you know, some of them are a little bit crackpot, like might not be worth your time, but, but there's a lot of great ones. Like start with Myers-Briggs, uh, like, uh, and, and if you do that with your whole team, it's free. And, and you, if you learn stuff like that about yourself, then you can actually learn some of the triggers that we were talking about earlier, what helps you win. And even better, if you're doing any type of team atmosphere, you know how your personality might benefit or maybe even clash with other personalities. You're, you're like, you're so much further ahead just being a self-aware. And that even helps. Like when we're talking about productivity, I know now that like I use a calendar and it helps me so much because I am horrible with time. My wife still just just can't stand it i i do not know where time goes it, it goes faster for me than other people so uh, i use a calendar and i just schedule everything in there i also just don't trust myself i'm not going to remember so i write everything down yeah. and usually it's in some something where it'll like you, you have to develop some type of organization tool so for me I've got I've got uh, my my system of filing files, so I know where to find stuff to tax time. I know where to find stuff when I'm going like two months later. I I know oh I would have put it here, and that type of stuff is huge for productivity because you're not wasting time uh, trying to remember what you would have done. And so uh, it, that's I'm a system brain, like I just think in systems, and I don't understand how people can live without them. I feel like. Uh, 
It's chaos, man. Madness. But uh, I hope that helps. I hope that helps knowing yourself. 100%. I think that's fantastic. And I think we're going to cut it off right there. Knowing yourself to make better decisions. That's quotable right there by Matt Smith. Um, Matt, go ahead and let us know where we can find you if people want to get a hold of you. Yeah. Uh, once in a while, uh, you can find me on the social medias. I'm on uh, Instagram at Matt RCS, M-A-T-T-R-C-S. My last name is Smith. So it's not some pretentious thing. I, I just really do need my middle initials to help me along. Uh, Twitter, Matt R.C. Smith and MatthewRCSmith.com. If my website is back, it just recently got hacked. So it's, uh, it's, in, the, it's in the no-no list and I hope to, <laughs> I hope to retrieve it soon. Uh-oh. Well, guys, I'm so happy that you guys were able to listen to this. There were lots of gems. And this is, uh, I knew this was going to be one of those episodes where we were going to talk um, in great length about how we can do things better, whether you're our entrepreneur, a CEO, a, uh, uh, a creative, or a nine-to-fiver, it doesn't matter. Knowing yourself better is going to allow you to make better decisions inside your life, and there's nothing wrong about that. That's it for me from now. This is the More Life Podcast. I'll catch you guys next week. Thanks for God.